Today, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the sound source of the Jordan. From the land of Mount Mazar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm on the pastoral team here. Uh, happy to be sharing uh, as we continue in our series in the book of Psalms, as we're uh, calling it All of Me. But before we do, let me uh, take a moment to share a team update with you. Um, Rachel Schock has served on our pastoral team uh, for three years. She's been a field pastor, a volunteer field pastor, and wow, what a wonderful contribution uh, Rachel uh, continues to make at Living Waters Church. Over the last number of years, Rachel has uh, served on our, uh, our youth leadership team. She's actually preached and taught uh, on Sunday. Uh, she's been on our worship team. What a, what a beautiful person. What a great gift to our community. She's wise. Uh, she loves people. She cares about this church and her imagination for a healthy community and how to get involved in people's lives is so so uh, beautiful and has enriched us in so many wonderful ways. Rachel's um, work life has changed recently. Uh, she was uh, recently accepted the position as store manager of a new Sephora store opening in White Rock. And because of those extra duties and responsibilities, um, Rachel has let us know that she's not able to I continue to serve as a field pastor. Uh, things have a beginning and things have an end. And Rachel has served so well. And she's not going anywhere. Uh, she's let us know that she'll still be involved um, as she's able, but not able to make those weekly commitments as she's been making over the last three years. So Rachel, thank you. And, and also congratulations. I can't help but say congratulations on your engagement uh, to Alan. We're so excited for this next season in your life. Again, Rachel, thank you. God bless you. You're awesome. 
Uh, thanks for continuing in the days ahead to make Living Waters Church such a great community. So as I said, we're um, in this series, the, the series in the Psalms. And uh, we're learning so much about ourselves and we're learning so much about God. I would imagine uh, that most of us have what I call the friend of the second question. I'm in a number of small groups. And one of these small groups, <laughs> I refer to these uh, people as friends of the second question. What are we talking about? I, I think uh, friends of the second question are just simply those people that ask you how they're doing, how you're doing, and then they put a comma behind it and they say, no, really, uh, tell us how you're doing. I just call it the friend of the second question. In the book of Psalms, we see the second question everywhere specifically as it relates to how are you doing? And as we continue this fall, we, we felt as a ministry team, a pastoral team, so, so impressed uh, to consider together as a community, relationally, uh, the word of God, but of course, how are we doing? How are you doing? It's important for us um, to know how we're doing, really. We're in Psalm 42. Uh, Psalm 42 is perhaps noted for many things. One, of course, is the beginning where we are introduced to a chorus called As the Deer Panteth for the Water, uh, a song that was written 40 years ago, actually, uh, that is still sung from time to time in Christian gatherings. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Uh, beyond that beautiful chorus, there's so much that we can learn from Psalm chapter 42, about answering the question, how are you doing, really? History would suggest in Psalm 42 uh, that David um, wrote this psalm while he was on the run from his own son and his own army. Uh, David mentions in verse 6 how he is remembering God from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Miser. Uh, because of David's son's betrayal, he had to flee. And in his exile, he was really cut off from his family, from his friendships, and from his security. David finds himself outside of the safety of his kingdom, and notably a long way from the temple in Jerusalem. Of course, in those historic days, the temple in Jerusalem represented so much to the people of God. It, it, it was the place on earth where God seemed to perform his activity. It was a meeting place with God when you got to the temple in Jerusalem. And so we've heard these last seven weeks or so of people traveling for different reasons to come to the city of God where the temple of God is located. David was miles from the temple, far from perhaps what would be typically known as the stimulation of, that comes from the sights and sounds of God's activity. Uh, the sights and sounds of God's activity, of course, in the temple in Jerusalem. David was removed from that and still needing to find spiritual narrative and spiritual health. 
I think we can all relate. These last 20 months has scattered the church in some ways. And some even today may feel that there's somewhat, maybe you're sitting alone even today, in a, uh, wherever you are, perhaps you feel that you are slightly removed from the sights and sounds of the activity of God. Um, I, I think the silence still God, so the sights and sounds of God, um, this, the silent and still God that we see in Psalm 42 is, is often the God that sometimes I feel we have a hard time understanding or trusting. It's easier when there's the sights and sounds. It's a little harder when there's silence and stillness. But yet, as we're learning in the book of Psalms, God uh, is, is, a, is a good God. Um, silence still, he's a good God. In Psalm 42, God was with David, even though silent and still, as David was in exile. Uh, last week, Ricky taught so well from Psalm chapter 109, um, talking of God's promise. Uh, Psalm 109, I, God saying, I stand at the right hand of the needy one. David was this needy one in exile. Um, but so often, friends, let's be honest, the Psalm calls us to honesty. So often, God's word or his promise is not enough for us. I mean, history you know, reveals things. So often we don't settle down unless we see his work in front of us. Perhaps the evidence or the signs or the demonstration of his presence, this thought of God's silence and stillness, and just simply the promise of his word, we, we wrestle with that. I wrestle with that. Well, God's silence and stillness should not ever raise questions of God's love or his care of us. Um, God's family, God's people can be guilty of acting as those that believe God when they see him do things, as opposed to believing in God when they hear him say things. And those subtle differences create paths for people that don't often lead us to the best places. Perhaps we would see in the Psalms this tendency, this human tendency that to, to lose a little bit of confidence in God's word, often because we don't know um, it enough or simply meditated upon it enough. As a result, we feel barren inside and we have very little to draw from when there is silence and stillness from God. Perhaps we've become people dependent upon the sights and sounds of God's activity rather than the promise of his word, which gets worked out in so many different ways, so often out of our human control. Psalm 19.11 prompts a good practice where the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So again, pointing to the need to be filled with his word of promise and allow God to interact with us the way that God chooses to. I, I was considering what's in my mind and what's in my heart. What is my mind filled with? What is my heart filled with? 
I recently came upon some stats from a reputable research company suggesting that on average, adults are on social media sites for two hours and 20 minutes a day. The research group talks just simply about the scrolling on social media sites for that amount of time per day. Watching, hearing, listening, observing. Um, If you roll that math out, that's close to three days a month of scrolling on social media, roll it out further, that's over one month of a person's entire year engaging in the process of social media surfing. That's adults. I'm not sure about mids, youth, or young adults. That's just the average adult. That seems high to me. You would compare that to a study that our denomination not too long ago did discussing um, Canadians' Bible reading practice to learn that only 5% of Canadians report reading the Bible daily and 14% of Canadians read the Bible once a month. So you, you see perhaps where the majority of narrative for a person's meditation is coming from. And so how good it is in Psalms to be reminded of the need to be paying attention to the narrative that is within our minds because of our practices and our habits. Now, granted, the world that David lived in in Psalm 42 is very different than the world that we live in today. I don't imagine David had a cell phone when he was in exile and he was keeping track as he scrolled through all the various social media sites. What we do see in David in exile is how he maintained a close proximity to himself and to God. And and in Psalm 42, we see some tools about how to do that. How David examined himself in relationship to his feelings, the facts, and his faith. And let me, let me just unpack this just for a couple minutes. David was wise as he sorted out the condition of his mind and his heart in exile, longings of his heart. He was wise to put some names on what he was actually feeling. He takes inventory. And that's not an easy practice. So what results? In verse 2, David said, my soul is thirsty. In verse 7, he admits to feeling like he is drowning. I don't think he was actually near water, but he was experiencing the feeling of being in over his head and being, you know, um, drowning type experience. Verse 5 and 11, he admits to being downcast and disturbed. His soul was downcast. Friends, our soul is the epicenter of our being. Our mind, our emotions, our conscience, and our heart and poor mental health and his emotions. He had poor mental health and his emotions were very, very volatile. So David moves onto the platform of his mind. He brings out these feelings and he puts a name on them. The second thing he does is he takes further inventory that requires honesty about facts. So feelings talks about the facts. In verse three, David admits to crying a lot. 
He says it this way, my tears have been my food day and night. He's crying. And then in verse 10, he talks about physical symptoms. My bones suffer mortal agony. Stress affects us physically, and David puts a name on it. And he even enlarges his pool of understanding in verses 3 and 10 when he realizes that people are saying of him and asking, where is your God? So translation, David says, I'm acting like someone who has no God. There's no spiritual vitality. So David puts the names on his feelings, and he puts his names on the facts related to his associated behavior. And then David takes the next most important step. He begins to ask himself the question, why? Why those feelings? Why that behavior? So he asks himself, specifically in verse 5 and 11, why is my soul downcast? Why am I so disturbed? Very wise practice and discipline. What do I mean? Our thoughts have traveling companions, and they're called emotions. And it's not the other way around. Thoughts don't follow feelings. Feelings follow our thoughts. Thoughts don't follow feelings. Feelings follow thoughts. So think about it. You, you don't just wake up in the middle of the night feeling anxious, stressed, or downcast. As you sit in the middle of the night in your home in the silence, you, you realize that what has prompted the feeling is a thought. It started with a thought. Your feeling started with a thought and your interpretation of that thought created a feeling. In the same way, you just don't wake up happy in the morning. No, you wake up with a thought and you translate that thought through interpretation and your interpretation of that thought created a happy feeling. That's why Psalm 10.5 says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The teaching is we don't not take our emotions captive. No, we take our thought captive and the accompanying feeling will come alongside. Martin Lowe-Jones says we have to preach the gospel to ourselves so that we can think clearly so we can feel properly. So David shows us the need to, to consider our thoughts and again, the narrative that informs our thoughts. And David says, the word of God needs to do that. Then David does two responsible things after he catches up to his thoughts. Two things. Verse four, he says, so from there, I will pour out my soul. He pours it out. He gives all of himself. He leaves nothing left unsaid. He pours out all of himself to a willing and able God to receive us, his thoughts, his emotions, his hearts. And David says, I will leave nothing left unsaid. That's why the Psalms are so, are so honest and so authentic. And in the pouring out, David says, meet me in the midst of my pouring out. This is not a prayer request to get him out of the situations. He's just simply asking God to meet him there. Meet him at his point of need. David knows that God knows he's suffering. David knows that God knows there's an injustice. He's not asking for deliverance necessarily. He's just saying, God, meet me here as I pour out my soul to you. My life is in your hands. 
See, suffering is not a question that demands an answer. Suffering is not a problem that demands a solution. Suffering is a mystery. David didn't know how he got there. All these situations were a little confusing to his family narrative. Suffering is a mystery that demands a presence. And David knew that the presence of God was his greatest need. So we see how David chose not to worry. He chose to lament. Things were hard. The things were not getting easier. And David doesn't choose to worry. He chose to lament. And there's a difference between worrying and lament. Worrying is a form of thinking about the future in a way that leaves someone feeling anxious or apprehensive. Lament is a type of prayer that takes the brokenness of human experience and asks God to meet them there. Leaves leaves it all with God. Lament, Lament is a form of honest worship that continues where there is stillness and silence from God and when things are a little easier, when there are the sights and sounds of the activity of God. So the Psalms teach us to talk to God, to lament, to give all of ourselves over to a God that has given all of himself to us. And that's true worship. Lament speaks the truth to God. And that's what the Psalms are all about. Lament is not an activity of faithlessness and despair. It's actually about faith and resistance to evil. Lament helps us with our entitlement issues. Lament allows us to become the type of people that take suffering, pain, and disappointment seriously while refusing to be crushed by it. And that is David. Things were hard, but he refused to be crushed by those extenuating circumstances. He was strong on the inside, so he wouldn't be crushed on the outside. So in verse 4, David pours out his soul. And secondly, in verse 6, David says, I will remember you, O God. What a discipline. This is not a crisis of feeling as much as it's a crisis of faith. David says to himself, he speaks back to himself, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. He was talking to himself. Not in a weird way but in a constructive way. He was speaking the truths of scripture to himself. David is fighting for hope. We have to practice the discipline of Christian hope. G.K. Chesterton speaks of two sins, the sin of presumption, that God will lead me without pain and suffering, and the sin of despair. David was not guilty of either in Psalm 42. David is walking out his calling so well, speaking to himself about himself, And he's speaking to himself the things that are true about God for himself. Wow. Finally, David admits in Psalm 42, verse 8, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me through. Each night I sing his songs, praise to God who gives me life. Wow. The night of the dark, the dark night of the soul, David is admitting. In the middle of the night, David is putting his hope in God and he's singing the praises of God. What a good example. How does, how does this psalm end? Does it have a happy ending? Well, like almost everything else in life, it's a, it's a mixed review of an ending. David's faith is really resilient and his fight is valiant, but the storms of life continue and David's in exile and how he makes his way out of that. There will always be problems and challenges that are real and true and we have to admit it. So Psalm 42 is a psalm that asks a second question. 
How you doing? Really? How are you doing really? Feelings or facts or faith and all that goes with pouring out our hearts to the Lord and putting our trust and hope in him and allowing him to pour out his unfailing love upon us. Hey, as we conclude today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would experience God today, that you would experience his unfailing love. Yes, this is a medium that is not perhaps perfectly ideal for Christian ministry, but it is the medium we have. And today, God wants to meet with you. He wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. Whatever room you're in, I want to encourage you to open up your heart today to God right now and be honest. This psalm is about the second question. How are you doing really? And as we answer this together, as I answer this as I pray, and as I pray with you today, may we open up our heart to God's unfailing love. Let him pour out his love upon you today. That would be his mind and his desire for you. So God, today we humble ourselves. We're thankful that you stand at the right hand of the needy one. Today we raise our hand and admit our need of you. Lord, we bring all of our feel, we bring all of ourselves, we bring all of our feelings, we bring all of our observations, we bring the condition of our soul, our heart, our faith to you, and say, God, today, meet us at our point of need. Pour out your unfailing love abundantly and generously into our hearts and our minds and our spirits today. As you do, fill us with your good Holy Spirit, giving us courage for another day and for the week ahead. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Amen and amen.